Welcome to this podcast sponsored by the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning. The National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning is one of the training centers funded through the Office of Population Affairs to provide training to enhance the knowledge of family planning staff. Our guest speaker today is Ann Finn from Ann Finn Consulting, LLC. Anne will be talking about the common miscoding of LARC services impacting revenue. Anne is a healthcare reimbursement, a consultant, and a national trainer with many reproductive healthcare organizations. Welcome, Anne. Thank you very much for the introduction, and thanks for joining us. Today's podcast will focus on commonly miscoded LARC, or long-acting reversible contraceptive services, which includes IUDs and implants. Improper coding of services may lead to a reduction in reimbursement or an unintended overpayment of services, which may open a provider to payer audits and payment takebacks when billing for services. Both are detrimental to a practice's fiscal health. When coding and billing for large services, we need to first properly and fully document the services provided during the clinical visit. Did the patient present seeking contraception and was not sure what birth control method is a best fit? Did she present wanting an IUD or an implant based on her prior knowledge, her research, or her counseling received in another setting, such as with her primary care visit? Or did she present for a scheduled bar insertion procedure after receiving contraceptive counseling at a prior date? Each of these services frequently takes place in a busy family planning clinic, and each scenario would be coded and typically reimbursed differently. So let's start with the first scenario. Maggie is a 19-year-old female patient who recently became sexually active. She's had unprotected sex since her last menstrual period and is worried about unintended pregnancy. Maggie is not sure what method of contraception she would like So she and the clinical provider discuss a variety of methods available, their effectiveness, and the potential side effects. During her visit, Maggie has her vitals taken, but a further exam is deferred. The majority of the time during the clinical visit is spent counseling. After discussing these options, Maggie decides she'd like an IUD. Maggie is given a urine pregnancy test, which is negative. The provider is able then to successfully insert the IUD. So what codes would we need to build this visit and where do we see miscoding? First, we need to capture the contraceptive counseling service and tell the payer it is separate and distinct from the actual LARC insertion procedure. Depending on the extent of services provided and the codes the payer accepts, the clinician may code a preventive evaluation and management, or E&M code, a problem-oriented E&M code, or a preventive counseling code for the contraceptive options counseling. E&M visit codes are dependent on whether a patient is new to your practice or established, and a new patient visits are typically reimbursed at a higher rate than an established patient. So, what defines new to your practice? According to the current procedural terminology or CPT instructions, a new patient is one who has not received 
any professional services from the physician, a qualified healthcare professional, or another physician or qualified healthcare professional of the exact same specialty and subspecialty who belongs to the same group practice within the past three years. This includes prior face-to-face -face services such as counseling, a medical visit, or a surgical procedure. Improper coding of new versus established patients impacts payments, so it's really important to ensure accuracy here. How does a clinician in your practice know if the patient is new or established when coding the visit? Some systems pull this information into the top of the chart note, which is really helpful to the provider for coding. Preventive E&M codes are also based on the patient's age during the visit, which also must be documented. Problem-oriented E&M codes are assigned either on, one, the, key three, the three key components of a visit, including history taken, examination done, and the medical decision-making involved in the patient care, or two, on the amount of time the clinician spends face-to-face -face with the patient when greater than 50% of this part of the visit is documented as counseling. Remember, new patients require all three of the three key components to be factored into picking the level of code for the visit, whereas an established patient or one who's been seen in the last three years only requires two of the three key components. So let's think about Maggie's visit as a new patient. Our clinician documents a detailed history and a moderate level of medical decision-making, but the patient only had her vitals taken with no further exam documented. The IUD insertion is separate from the EM. This low-level, problem-focused exam for a new patient does not qualify for a code higher than a level one outpatient visit or a 99201. But our clinicians spend a great deal of time counseling the patient. To use time for E&M assignment, the clinician needs to document both their total face-to-face -face time and the greater than 50% of the time was spent counseling the patient. Based on using time, the E&M level may qualify for a level two or three visit, leading to increased reimbursement since payers typically pay more for a higher level visit. How do we tell the payer the services were separate and distinct from each other and both should be reimbursed? Adding a two-digit modifier code to the existing CPT code alerts the payer that there were special circumstances when the service was provided. In Maggie's case, we bill four different service codes, each associated with an ICD-10 code to tell the payer why we perform these services. For Maggie, we bill the LARC insertion CPT code, the LARC device, the point of care pregnancy test, and a separate E&M code or counseling visit code with a modifier 25 appended to signify to the payer that the counseling was separate and distinct from the insertion procedure that was billed. Remember, Maggie received counseling on several method types prior to deciding on the IUD. 
Without the modifier 25 on an ENM billed with a procedure to alert the payer of these two distinct services, the payer often bundles the services together, which leads to reduced reimbursement. Let's recap where we potentially see miscoding for Maggie's visit. Missing codes. For Maggie's visit, we would need an ENM code for the contraceptive counseling plus a LARC procedure code plus the LARC device plus any point of care test done during the visit to ensure full reimbursement. Over and under coding of ENM services based on new versus established patient status. Over and under coding of ENM services based on the three key components versus capturing the counseling time. ENM assignment based on time without both the total face to face time and the 50% or more was spent counseling the patient, both documented in that patient's chart. Missed modifiers to tell the payer special circumstances. Lab tests performed without documented medical necessity. Remember, in Maggie's case, the clinician had noted unprotected sex, so the clinician did a UPT test. But not all patients may need to have this test done to start contraception. Missing ICD-10 codes to support the medical necessity of each service provided, such as a Z30.09 for the contraceptive options counseling, a Z30.430 for the IUD insertion, and a Z32.02 for the negative pregnancy test results. Let's look at our second scenario. What if Maggie presents wanting an IUD or an implant? Our clinician reviews the effectiveness of the method and potential side effects and inserts the LARC. Should the clinician report an ENM along with the LARC insertion? In this case, the answer is no. The ENM and contraceptive counseling was not significant and separate and distinct from the IUD or LARC procedure. Billing and ENM here would be a case of over-reporting of services. How about our third scenario, where Maggie presents for a scheduled LARC insertion? Would we report an ENM with the LARC procedure here? Again, the answer is no. The contraceptive options counseling took place at that prior visit and was already billed. Billing an ENM here would also create an overreporting of services. What if Maggie presents to have a new IUD reinserted? IUD reinsertions require two CPT codes to be reported for proper reimbursement. You would report both CPT code 58301 for the IUD removal and then CPT code 58300 for the IUD reinsertion. What happens if we submit these codes without a modifier to tell the payer we're reporting multiple procedures? Without a modifier 51 or 59 for multiple or distinct procedures appended to the lower paying service, the second procedure typically bundles into that first procedure and does not pay separately, resulting in an underpayment. With the correct modifier appended, a second procedure will typically pay 50% in addition to the full payment on the first procedure. 
Missed codes for removals also mean missed revenue. Ensure there's a CPT code reported for every service documented in the medical record. Include an ICD-10 code from the family of codes under the Z30.43 that are used to describe IUD procedures. There are distinct codes for IUD insertions, routine checking, removals, and reinsertions in this grouping. Billing staff should understand the coding of services, including modifier usage and expected payment of services, to ensure all missed revenue is recognized and correctly resubmitted to a payer in a timely manner. Okay, so what if Snaggy is having a LARP insert and the clinician needs to stop the procedure due to the patient having a problem, such as severe pain or the device is unusable? In both these cases, we would still bill for the procedure, but again, we need a modifier to tell the payer, hey, we attempted the procedure, did a lot of work, but we needed to stop. By appending a modifier 52 or 53 for a reduced service to the LARP procedure, CPT code and coding an ICD-10 code to explain any complications, a payer may often reimburse a significant portion of the expected payment for a failed insertion. If you bill for a full insertion and then the patient presents for a second attempted insertion at the following visit, a payer may reject that second claim in full as a duplicate service. Not all payers will reimburse for multiple devices. So again, check with the payer for their policies, along with contacting the manufacturer for a replacement device. Unlike IEDs, implants have a unique CPT code for the insertion, the removal, and the reinsertion. For dates of service after October 1, 2016, we would use CPT code 11981 for the implant insertion along with the newly added ICD-10 code Z30.017 encounter for initial prescription or insertion of the implant. For removals and reinsertions, we would code the CPT code 11982 or 11983 along with the newly added ICD-10 code Z30.46 encounter for surveillance of the implant, which includes the routine checking, removals, and reinsertions of the implant. These two new codes for implants were added to the ICD-10 code set as of October 1, 2016, so they're new. So make sure your, your systems, your forms, and your claims are all updated with these new codes. What about the LARC device? There are currently four types of IUDs and four unique device HIPAA codes. J7300 describes copper paragard IUD, J7397 for the Liletta IUD, J7298 describes the Mirena IUD, and finally J7301 for the Skyla brand. Remember the device code J7302, which was previously used for the Mirena, and the Liletta IUD was deleted as an, act, as an active code as of January 1st, 2016. 
If you bill J7302 now, you will most likely receive no reimbursement for that device. Make sure that that code is not active in your billing systems. If the clinician is using a device from their stock and the device was not gotten specifically to a pharmacy benefit for a unique patient and already billed by the pharmacy to the payer, the device would be included on the visit claim. Underreporting of a charge amount versus the anticipated contracted amount allowed for the device by a payer would also result in a missed revenue. Devices are expensive, and any missed payments or denials should be a top priority for billing resolution. Billing staff should audit LARC insertions for a one-to-one -one match. For every insertion, there is a device accounted for. Call your payer representative for further guidance or clarification if you don't understand why a service or a device is unpaid. We hope these tips will help you to avoid common coding missteps impacting your reimbursement of LARC services. Remember, document all services provided, accurately code the services on the claim, and submit to your payers in a timely manner to ensure proper and full reimbursement of LARC services. Thanks for joining us today. And thank you, Anne, for this information. For more training information and resources on coding and family planning settings, please visit the National Training Center's website at www.fpntc.org or call the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning at 1-866-91-CTCFP. That's 1-866-912-8237. Thanks for joining us.